Folks, if you owe back taxes, fair warning, you're not going to like this. The IRS is mailing millions of pay-up letters. Millions, I say. Then it's up to the 20,000 new IRS enforcement agents to find you. Why the IRS targets you and not millionaires? Well, because millionaires have tax lawyers. You don't, you'll pay up. Plus interest and penalties. You need Tax Network USA, and you need them now. Tax Network USA has brilliant war room strategies to solve your IRS problems quickly and in your favor. Like a preferred direct line to the IRS, they know which agents to deal with and who to avoid. It's not all bad news for you because Tax Network USA learned of a special limited-time IRS offer. They're willing to waive $1 billion in penalties if you qualify. So schedule your free confidential consultation to see if you qualify for this limited-time IRS penalty canceling offer. To do so, call 1-800-245-6000. That's 1-800-245-6000. Or visit tnusa.com slash justnews. That's tnusa.com slash justnews. Hello, America, and welcome to a Monday edition of John Solomon Reports. Yes, the Monday of Holy Week, a few days before Easter. Some of us are uh, preparing for vacations or family time. Some of us are preparing to get their last vaccines and get to a point where uh, uh, there's some immunity uh, to this horrific coronavirus that has changed the course of humanity and, and the American experience for well over a year now. Uh, but also, it's a week where a lot of different revelations are, are bubbling to the forefront and whether it's uh, the person that they've just hired at uh, uh, SOCOM, Special Operations Command, inside the military, where our elite fighters, our special operators operate uh, to create an inclusion and diversity uh, agenda inside the fighting forces, particularly our elite fighting forces, who wasn't that inviting, wasn't that uh, uh, loving that, that, uh, sensitive, uh, when he was tweeting, uh, apparently anti-Trump and anti-Ted Cruz, uh, sentiments recently, uh, great story today by, uh, my colleague, Susan Keating. And I think we're gonna have more on that front. There's a lot of concerns that this new office is, um, going to clash with military readiness with, uh, making sure that only the best and brightest become Navy SEALs and army Rangers and special marine operators, uh, very important uh, debates and discussions ongoing. And I know Susan's, who's one of the best, literally the best um, military reporters we could have, is on top of that day in and day out. And while we're on the topic of race, what's really, really interesting now, and we're going to talk in a few minutes with Congressman Mo Brooks, who's uh, the Republican congressman, big on election integrity, one of the first to raise concerns about the 2020 election even before it was held. Uh, he's now running for Alabama Senate. I know he has some very, very strong uh, sentiments about the race card being used to thwart election integrity measures like that that was passed in Georgia last week. The race card, a lot of people are on television over the weekend debating this. Uh, but when I think about it, when we look about it now, and Nick Ballacy, our great congressional correspondent, is digging in on this, uh, there are... Uh, many people that are now calling the requirement to give a voter ID, give yourself ID when you vote by mail or in person to ensure the integrity of your ballot, that that's somehow Jim Crow racist. 
that it's somehow discriminatory. And I, I look back and say, well, first off, 15 years ago, it was a commission chaired by a very liberal Democrat by the name of Jimmy Carter, the former president, who recommended that voter IDs were essential to future mail-in ballots. And now somehow that very idea that Jimmy Carter gave us is racist. I don't know. But I think back and I go through and say, listen, when I took my uh, SAT exam as a high school student 30, 40 years ago, I had an ad, have an ID to prove who I won, my social security card, my driver's license. When I go buy a six pack of beer, the cashier checks the card, make sure that it's okay. Uh, when I get on an airplane, I have to give my ID along with my ticket to make sure that I am who I say I am. <clears throat> if that is okay for those sort of things, why isn't it okay? A lot of people ask that it, uh, we ask for an ID when casting the most powerful tool that the founding fathers gave us in this constitutional republic, the right to vote. I just have to ask, and I, we're going to ask Congressman Mo Bricks about this today. He has a lot of strong thoughts and uh, thinking about this. I've heard him talk about it, and uh, you know some of the black ministers and others that I've talked to in recent days say this feels like a form of reverse discrimination, that the Democrats' implied message is that black people, Hispanic people, Latinos, um, minorities don't have the capability to show an ID like a white person, and therefore it's elitist for uh, us to ask of an ID. I don't believe that. I know uh, people of all race, color, creed, they know how to use a photo ID. We have to use it for everything. Even when you, some of us have asked for our ID to be checked for when we use our credit card, when we, when we go on an airplane, when we buy a ticket, uh, when we take an SAT or ACT exam, it doesn't seem to be racist then. And that raises the question, why is the race card being used now? We're going to ask Congressman Mo Brooks, the Senate candidate for Alabama, a very vocal congressman in the Republican caucus in the House, about that and about all the other things going on. H.R. 1, the election to federalize the bill. I think Newt Gingrich likes to call it the Corrupt Politicians Preservation Act. Uh, but the effort to create federal rules that would prohibit IDs and other safeguards and measures, identity security measures. Um, all of that is going to be covered day in and day out here at Just the News. Uh, so check us out often. Nick Ballacy, Susan Katz Keating, uh, Daniel Payne, and of course, uh, our Just the News and uh, AM, Just the News AM show host, uh, Sophie Mann, all on the front lines covering that, along with other many other great reporters and writers, including our Fast File team of uh, Nick Sherman, Alex Nitzberg. A lot of people making their mark every day covering these issues so you can be informed and make up your own mind. We don't try to make up your mind for you. We just try to give you the facts that you decide. And that's what we're going to do here in just a few seconds. First, we're going to go to commercial break, hear from our amazing sponsors and advertisers who make the show possible. And when we come back, Congressman Mo Brooks unplugged. You're not going to want to miss a moment of this. The ground will shake. Mo Brooks does not mince words. He says exactly what he means, and he means exactly what he says. You can agree with him, disagree with him, but you can't doubt that what he's saying is what he believes because he is a absolute straight talker, and we're going to have him here. I can ask him about that Senate race he's running in, all the other things that are going on in the country. Uh, but first, that commercial break. We'll be right back. All right, folks, as we draw near to another critical election, it's not only about casting your vote. It's about elevating 
your voice, making your voice be heard. AMAC is more than just a senior discount organization. They unite like-minded patriots like you and I, committed to preserving our cherished values and actively opposing the leftist agenda that's sweeping across America. Just look at their recent victories. AMAC members helped to push forward an investigation into practices that inflate drug prices. They successfully defeated ranked choice voting in order to protect traditional voting methods, and they also helped block a federal takeover of elections. As AMAC's membership grows, Washington is listening. Every new member strengthens this movement. If you love America, visit AMAC, A-M-A-C dot U-S slash Just News to become a four-year member for just $30. That's a great discount. AMAC is not only better for America, it's better for you. Membership gives you access to the AMAC magazine, free social security and Medicare guidance, money-saving discounts, trusted news, sweepstakes, and so much more. It's a community, not a service. Take advantage of our election year sale, four years for just $30 at AMAC. By joining over 2 million Americans, they can't ignore your voice in Washington anymore. Join now at AMAC, A-M-A-C dot U-S slash Just News. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S forward slash Just News. All right, folks, welcome back from the commercial break. And as promised, a very special guest, a man who has ruffled a few feathers, moved a lot of the water in Washington already in his time as a member of Congress and now running for the Senate in Alabama, Congressman Mo Brooks. Congressman, welcome to the show. My pleasure. It's uh, it's always fun to have you on. I, I've seen you on TV, and you're always uh, you're always on the forefront of so many of the issues of the day. And I I want to start with what's going on at the border because you've been very outspoken. Uh, you predicted this last year that if Joe Biden was elected, this is what would happen. It's now happening at the border in a big way. And uh, I saw some tweets from you over the weekend that really sort of suggested that when you look at this from 30,000 feet, really, this is a large effort to just create an amnesty program and bring in whole bunch, whole bunches of new voters to America. Tell us what uh, the latest first on what you perceive at the border and then what your concerns are politically about what the Democrats are doing. Consequences of the socialist open borders policies are horrific. I wish the news media would do a much better job of exposing it for what it is, but let me run through just some of the damage that American citizens are going to be burdened with. In no particular order, number one, dead Americans. If you look at the federal government crime data, roughly 2,000 Americans each year are killed on American soil at the hands of illegal aliens. These are people who would be alive but for our poor southern border. Over the last decade, then, that's close to 20,000 dead Americans who would be alive right now, but for our poor southern border, and Joe Biden is making it a whole lot worse. A second one, number two, you have over 30,000 dead Americans each year from drug overdoses, from deadly narcotics that are smuggled across our poor southern border. You would think that that would be enough to get the Democrats to do something about it, something constructive, something to protect the American people, but it's not. We can go to economic damage to families uh, across our country. What the Democrats are doing is bringing in a huge pool of cheap illegal alien labor. That's suppressing the wages of American families, and it's also taking jobs from struggling American families. And if that's not enough, these illegal aliens, they're on welfare to a much greater degree than any other segment of American society. So if you look at the cost to Americans of illegal aliens and the households that they are party to, uh, net tax loss to American citizens is in the neighborhood of $200 
billion dollars a year at the wow. city, county, state, and federal level. That's a big I'd much number. rather that be spent on American citizens or, or perhaps not so much money taken from us right. so that we could take care of our own needs. But none, none of these things make any difference to the Socialist Democrats because this is not about what's in the best interest of America or American citizens. This is a power play. Look at the, again, reliance on welfare. This is a made-for-Democrat voter pool, people who tend to vote for a living rather than want to work for one. And as such, the Socialist Democrats are trying to bring in as many illegal aliens, uh, illegally or foreign-born individuals legally, because if you get them citizenship in time, they're going to vote overwhelmingly Democrat, and the net effect is going to be that the Socialists will take over and there won't be a dadgum thing we can stop them. Uh, with. So that's the long-term goal. That's why they don't care about the dead lives. That's why they don't care about the lost jobs. That's why they don't care about the suppressed wages. That's why they don't care about the adverse tax consequences, uh, revenue loss, because this is a power play, pure and simple. Nothing else matters to them, and we have to stop them. It, it is remarkable when you, when you rattle off the statistics that the social and uh, economic costs of, of these decisions, and yet uh, you, you talk often about this, and I, and I see it in my own, own work. The media seems to have an entirely different narrative that just ignores this. And I'm curious, as you, you, you ran into this during the election. You've run into this on many different things. Why, when you look at the state of American media versus where it might have been 10, 20, 30 years ago when you and I were growing up, uh, how big a problem has the American media become in the overall picture of, of uh, American challenges? Well, Joe Biden, Nancy Pelosi, Chuck Schumer, they all have blood on their hands from what is happening on our southern border. Uh, all the people who have died as a consequence, either from the drug overdoses or the death at the hands of illegal aliens. And quite frankly, the fake news media is an accomplice in all this. I, I am baffled as to why the fake news media would be so all in that they seemingly don't even care about First Amendment freedom of speech. They don't mind big tech censorship. They don't seem to mind the kind of other suppression techniques that the socialists are using to try to keep us from speaking our minds. And you would think the media, they would be for freedom of speech, but they're not. They're, they're in up to their elbows, up to their necks with the socialists. And basically, they're the propaganda arm now, the socialist democratic effort in the United States of America. It's nothing like the media was 10, 20, 30 years ago, but it is where we are today. And that is most unfortunate because if you cannot get honest and accurate news to people about what the truth is, well, then they're apt to make bad decisions. But of course, that's what the socialists want. It, it is remarkable. And of course, our founding fathers always envisioned a, a robust uh, and fair neutral media uh, would be important to democracy. Obviously, that's in jeopardy today. Uh, one of the places where you clashed with the media, you were one of the first to raise questions about uh, even heading into the 2020 election, uh, the state of the election system, the potential for security and, and misvoting and other problems. Uh, and now uh, you start to see uh, states try to address this right to the right to your neighbor to the right. There is uh, Georgia and they pass this law and almost immediately there is this concept that asking someone for their ID, by the way, you have to do that to go buy a pack, six pack of beer or to take your SAT test or to get on an airplane. But somehow asking for the ID uh, to vote is uh, racially discriminatory. Uh, Jim Crow, 
I'm curious, uh, as you look at this, uh, why you think that that argument's out there, and do you think the American people, the larger American people, the majority of American people, buy that argument? Well, the socialists have to engage in false propaganda techniques in order to advance their agenda. Uh, This is not about racism. It's about honest and accurate elections, and I'm thankful that the Georgia state legislature reacted in that way. But if you listen to what the socialist Democrats are really arguing, they are the ones who are racist. And let me explain how. They, the socialist Democrats, are arguing that Asian Americans, Hispanic Americans, Caucasian Americans somehow have the ability to vote, have the ability to get photo ID, but the Socialist Democrats are in effect arguing that somehow or another uh, African Americans are inferior and unable to do what other races are doing. Therefore, African Americans need to be protected in some fashion and should not be subject to voter identification. That's wrong. All of us are created equal in the eyes of God. All of us have the equal ability to get photo identification. All of us have the equal ability to vote on election day or in limited uh, cases as uh, is acceptable or permitted uh, with absentee voting. So I reject categorically uh, the argument of the Socialist Democrats, but they don't have a valid public policy argument. So they have to resort to the kinds of lies and deceptions that we see. And the biggest deception that I have seen, quite frankly, is again in the hands of the fake news media where they repeatedly say, no fraud, no fraud, no fraud, no election theft, no election theft, no election theft. That is hooey. And the best evidence that I would give to the American people about how bad the deception is, is to go back to the Commission on Federal Election Reform Report in 2005. Okay, this was 15 years ago. Jimmy Carter and James Baker. Bipartisan. Bingo. Democrat President Jimmy Carter, Republican Reagan, White House Chief of Staff James Baker, and they itemized, itemized 15 years ago when there was not election at stake. They itemized the systemic flaws in the American election process. They recommended changes to fix those systemic flaws so that we would not have election theft. And lo and behold, instead of the Socialist Democrats agreeing to fix those flaws to minimize the risk of voter fraud and election theft. The Socialist Democrats use that Commission on Federal Election Reform report as a Bible, a game plan, a playbook by which they stole the 2020 elections. And we need to be cognizant of this one fact. If voter fraud and election theft was a big enough issue 15 years ago, what in the world happened to suddenly make it go poof and go away? <laughs> yeah. Nothing happened. In fact, it got worse. And so for the fake news media to parrot the refrain, no voter fraud, no voter fraud, flies in the face of a report issued 15 years ago, bipartisan report, independent of any election. And it, quite frankly, if we're to get into the details of what happened in 2020, what the bipartisan commission feared in 2005, came to fruition in 2020, much as that bipartisan commission warned. Yeah, no, that's exactly right. In fact, that last September, way before the election, I was writing about that report and the uh, the changes that were occurring in the in the states. Uh, what's amazing is, uh, un, you know, unelected or elected bureaucrats were usurping the authority of state legislatures and setting the roles of the election in ways that the legislatures had not approved or even, quite frankly, envisioned, particularly as it came to 
mail-in balloting. Do you think, as you look around the country now, state legislators who watched what happened in 2020, obviously Georgia has taken action quickly, do you think they understand what happened and are they determined enough to close the loopholes and other uh, tactics that the Democrats were able to exploit uh, in the last election? I pray that every legislature in America will duplicate the efforts of the state of Georgia, that they will reject the underlying argument of the socialists, and that is that somehow or another African-Americans are inferior and lack the ability to register to vote like everybody else does. Again, African-Americans, according to socialist Democrats, can't get photo identification when Caucasian-Americans, Asian-Americans, Hispanic-Americans, Native Americans, and every other kind of American can't. And I reject that kind of racist underpinning of their argument. I believe that everybody can do it. Every state legislature will do what is necessary to prevent the kind of voter fraud and election theft that we saw in 2020. And for that matter, probably every election since that report was issued in 2005, the only difference in 2020 being that this was the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. This was the big deal. This was the White House, the presidency of the United States. Yeah, such a great, uh, such a great point. And 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 if when you read the book that David Plouf, Obama's former advisor, wrote, he basically bragged about what they were going to do in real time. And uh, that book came out well before the election, but it doesn't appear that a lot of the legi- uh, the um, uh, Republican legislatures, particularly, were cognizant of what the strategy was. A second part of this election that raised a lot of red alarms, and we've done a lot of uh, open records requests to expose this is the vast amount of money that uh, Mark Zuckerberg, a private individual owner of Facebook or founder of Facebook, uh, dumped into, not into campaign donations or PACs or, or 527 groups, but specifically to the election judges, the election arbiters, the election officials who run it at the state and local level. How concerned are you that that money was uh, uh, first in, influenced the outcome of the election and two, should it have been governed? Is it, a, is it a giant campaign contribution that should be outlawed? I am not one of those that believe that we should limit freedom of speech or political involvement. I believe that the best recourse is to counter it with honest people, people who are committed to conservative principles, the foundational principles that have combined to make us the greatest nation in world history. So I don't begrudge Zuckerberg trying to magnify his influence. What I begrudge is that there weren't enough American citizens who believe in our country enough, who believe in our foundational principles enough to counteract it. Um, This kind of competition of ideology, uh, that's what's supposed to happen in a republic. What's not supposed to happen is voter fraud and election theft in as much as honest and accurate elections are the underpinning of the reputation of any republic. So that's what we've got to work on. Uh, I don't know what Zuckerberg uh, did that was illegal. I can't go that far. I can say that there was a lot of voter fraud, in my humble opinion, in 2020. But I don't know that that specifically is what Zuckerberg was aiming at as a goal. So I really can't comment except in a general way. And that is everybody has the right in a republic to fight for what they believe is best. And if Zuckerberg does that, and it turns out in your view and my view that he's fighting for what is wrong, well, it's our task to overcome what he has done in order to make sure that the voters see through it and vote the right way in order to protect our, our country. Yeah, such a good, such a good point. H.R. Uh, 1, S1, two bills that would take a lot of the uh, authority away from legislatures. 
uh, to conduct uh, uh, the rules and, and the, the identification, all the things that that's, uh, the, leg- uh, the Constitution gave state legislatures to control. How concerned are you that it could pass in the Senate, and what happens if it does pass? I am very much concerned that it might pass in the Senate. I call it the Voter Fraud Enhancement Act. <laughs> it's an effort by the socialists to ensure that they can steal elections with impunity. As such, we have to do everything possible to try to defeat it, which means there's only one place left because it's already passed the House. That's the Senate. And I pray that the senators will, if nothing else, work to defeat H.R. 1 because we need honest and accurate elections if we're going to have a republic. And that's where the battle is. And there'll be tremendous pressure put on every single Democrat senator in the United States Senate to do the wrong thing, because if the socialists are able to pass this legislation, it's going to be very hard in the future for us to reverse any of the damage that they do because they will be stealing elections right and left. Yeah, no, it, these, are, these are historic changes that have a profound, you know, 30, 50 year lens. Uh, do you think the whole issue of election integrity, election uh, governance will end up in the Supreme Court? Are the courts going to be the final arbiter if, if Democrats go ahead and, and try to get this bill passed? I hope not, because I don't have faith that our Supreme Court has enough gumption to protect the United States Constitution. We've seen it all too often where they engage in their mental legal gymnastics and come up with weird decisions that fly in the face of the plain language of the United States Constitution or fly in the face of very plain language in the United States Code. And so I hope it never gets to the Supreme Court because I just don't have confidence that the Supreme Court will do the right thing. But even if this crop of Supreme Court justices did, I also am concerned that the Socialist Democrats will just change the number of Supreme Court justices from 9 to 11 to 13 to 15 to whatever, stack the Supreme Court in order to guarantee the desired outcome, regardless of whether that's what the United States Constitution permits. Yeah, that's no doubt that uh, the big fear, the, the packing of the court. Um, you've, you've been very strong on uh, the issues of freedom in America. COVID-19 obviously infringed on all of our freedoms in ways big and small. And w- uh, while that's going on, we're also amassing this enormous, enormous debt that well, our, even our great, great, great grandchildren aren't going to be able to pay off. The state of American government, when you look at uh, the, the intrusions on civil liberty, whether it's on the Russia case or COVID, uh, and then the, just the crushing long-term effect of the debt on American society and our ability to be free, uh, how do you handicap where we find ourselves at this very perilous moment? Long-term, it's going to be very difficult for the United States of America to, devo- to avoid a debilitating insolvency and bankruptcy of a great country that so many people before us sacrificed. We have far too many debt junkies who are elected and sent to Washington, D.C., and this is a bipartisan problem. Sure, There are Republicans who love to spend money just as quickly as Democrats can, and they don't care one twit that it's money we don't have, have to borrow to get, can't afford to pay back, and ultimately is going to result in a debilitating bankruptcy of the United States of America. By way of example, the $2 trillion borrow and spend bill uh, that Joe Biden signed into law a couple of weeks ago, every penny of that, as the name implies, is borrowed. We don't have it. 
Okay. Now we're going to blow through the $30 trillion debt mark sometime this year. And after a while, citizens eyes tend to get a little bit glassy, but they need to understand that American citizens are responsible individually for paying that entire debt. And each citizen's share, man, woman, and child, even a newborn baby, their share is $90,000. And I want the American citizenry to ask themselves, can you write a $90,000 check right now? Okay. Can you do it for your family of four? That's $360,000. Oh, wait a second. If you happen to be doing well enough to actually earn enough money to pay income taxes, then you got to pay for all those who can't. So double it. That $720,000 is the average debt burden of each family of four in the United States of America. Now, there are a whole lot of American families that can write a $720,000 check. That's what our creditors suddenly demand. But I hope that impresses upon the American people as to how dangerous this is and how deep that debt is. And what the American people have to do is quit looking only at today and tomorrow, but look further down the road in the future and quit demanding politicians who are so anxious to give everything away, even if it means we have to borrow the money to get it. That is reckless with the future of America, and I oppose it. But again, there are only about 10 or 20% of us in the United States Congress, House or Senate, that have the gumption, the backbone, the understanding to know how dangerous this debt cycle is and are willing to try to do something about it. And 10 to 20% doesn't beat the vote of 80 to 90%. No, that's the, the cards are stacked against you, even, even if it is the right issue to be fighting Um, you're obviously, uh, going to be running for the Senate seat in Alabama. Uh, President Trump, I know is excited about that. Uh, when you look at the state of the Senate right now, whether it's Mitch McConnell, Chuck Schumer, uh, if you get in there, what, what's your mission? What do you want to try to do to, to affect that institution? Well, first I need the American people to help me get in there. So if you don't mind a short commercial break, (laughs) go to mobrooks.com. MoBrooks.com, real simple to spell, sure. M-O-B-R-O-O-K-S.com, and help us out. Be a volunteer. Send a campaign contribution. Uh, I am running for the United States Senate uh, from the state of Alabama, and by golly, we need to send a principal conservative, one who's willing to fight for our country to the Senate, uh, not one of these weak-kneed Republicans that you see too often in the United States Senate, and certainly not one of these debt junkies to the United States Senate. So what am I going to do in the United States Senate if the people of the state of Alabama are kind enough to send me there? By golly, I'm going to fight for the foundational principles that have combined to make America the greatest nation in world history. With additional time, I could itemize those, but that's what I've done in the past. That's what I'm going to do in the future. And I'm not going to be some wallflower who's worried about winning <laughs> the next election. If I have to risk losing my next election, in the process of defending a great country that so many before us have sacrificed to build, I'm going to do it. That's the least I can do to honor the memories of the hundreds of thousands of Americans who have died fighting for the liberty and freedom that we enjoy today. Yeah, it is amazing. I I often wonder our forefathers who went before us and sacrificed so much, whether they'd even recognize this, this country that we've become as you as you look out on the on the uh, global stage, because you often talk about this, how big a threat is China right now, and do we have any policies in place that make you comfortable? The Communist Chinese Party is the threat of the century to the United States of America, and people need to understand some basics. They are socialist and dictatorial. 
uh, over their history. They have murdered well over 10 million of their own citizens who mm. loved freedom and liberty in order to extinguish freedom and liberty as a hope of the Chinese people. Their Bill of Rights is nothing like our Bill of Rights because in the communist Chinese regime, there is no Bill of Rights. I'm going to be somewhat tongue in cheek, but if you go through the First Amendment, Second Amendment, and just work your all the way down what's in the Bill of Rights of the American uh, Constitution, the Communist Chinese Party respects none of those, uh, with one possible exception. They don't believe in freedom of speech over there. They don't believe in uh, the freedom to uh, petition the government for a redress of your grievances. They don't believe in freedom of the press. They don't believe in freedom of religion. Of course, they don't believe in the Second Amendment right to bear arms. Right. The one thing you might arguably could say that they are for is the right to a speedy trial, but tongue in cheek, <laughs> that speedy trial might be yes. where you get arrested in the afternoon, you have a trial at midnight, and you're executed at dawn. Yeah, That might be their version of a speedy trial, of course, nothing at all like what we enjoy in the United States of America. And if you understand the basic concepts and basic differences between what's going on in uh, communist China uh, versus the United States of America, then you very readily discern that the communist Chinese party's ideology is an anathema, is an enemy uh, to the principles that we enjoy in America, our Bill of Rights, our, our reliance on the American people determining our destiny through hopefully uh, honest and accurate elections. And so communist China is a major threat. They're becoming very aggressive. Their military sure. is growing. You should see the military facilities they're opening up in the South China Sea. And quite frankly, the biggest problem with all of this is that the United States of America, our American people, are financing their military expansionism, financing them to the point where one day they may have a military that is superior to that of the United States of America. And if that day comes, we're in a world of hurt. So what we have to do is start demanding fair trade relationships with the Communist Chinese Party. And we need, again, to get some people in Washington, D.C. who understand the threat and have the backbone, the gumption to do something about it. Because right now we have far too many congressmen, far too many senators who cower in their foxholes when we need them to claw out of those foxholes and fight for their country before we lose it. Yeah, it's such an important thing. We, we, the complacency over the last 20 years as China has marched to a much stronger position. Uh, you, you mentioned we, we are enablers a lot of the time. And I'm wondering, the, 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 just the desire to make money off of China, to have open markets, did it blind us to uh, China's op uh, ultimate intentions to supplant us as, as uh, the world superpower? Well, the biggest risk associated with the Communist Chinese Party is that they're smart and they're patient. So they do things strategically. They do things slowly in hopes that their foes around the world will not figure it out before it's too late. Yeah, great and point. so you're spot on with your remarks in that regard. Uh, it's one thing if you've got a foe that very belligerently attacks, as occurred, say, with Pearl Harbor in 1941. You know very quickly who your enemy is, and you marshal your resources to defeat them. China is so much smarter than that. They are so much more strategic. They know that the way to defeat the United States of America is to defeat us from within. They know that the way to defeat the United States of America is to do great damage to our economy. They know that as long as they keep slicing and killing and taking over one bit of our economy at a time, then ultimately we become weaker. And in time, we become too weak to defend not only the world, but ourselves. Yeah. 
And so we need to be very noticeable, very aware of what the Communist Chinese Party is doing as they continue to attack one sector of the American economy, one sector of manufacturing, one sector of industry at a time, stripping us of the ability to provide the economic resources that are necessary to provide the national security that in turn protects not only the United States of America, but also the globe. Yeah, those are such important points. And, and we're, we, we're, uh, we've been asleep at the switch for too long. I know President Trump's tenure gave us an opportunity to start to look at that. And we made some inroads, but uh, the current administration doesn't seem to have the same sense of urgency with China. They've made some interesting comments suggesting they they see China more as a foe for the first time, but the urgency is not there. And you're right, time is of the essence. Congressman, I'm uh, so grateful that you came on. We learn so much every time that you speak to us. And I hope as the year goes on, as you're running for the Senate and as you're fighting for the various things that you you care so much about election integrity and national security, that we can get you back on and get an update from the front lines of uh, American politics. Well, I would love to come back on. Again, that's mobrooks.com. And thank you so much for what you do in trying to help the American people get the truth at a time when it's so difficult to get it given how freedom of speech is suppressed in so many different ways. It is a challenge, but uh, we're all in the fight for for the truth. So that's a good thing. Well, sir, thank you again and uh, safe travels. We'll look forward to having you back on the show soon. I look forward to it. Thank you, sir. All right, folks, we're going to go to a quick commercial break. When we come back, we're going to wrap things up for the day. Hey, folks, if you're a homeowner and you're like me, you want to protect your home, right? But when's the last time you checked on the title to your home? If you never have, listen to this. A new report on homeowners shows we all now have $16 trillion in equity. That's an all-time high in America. That's why you need protection from a scam the FBI calls house stealing. That's when the equity in all of our homes is the target, sadly, of scammers. If nobody's watching the title to your home, these scammers can transfer your title to their name, take out loans, and your equity could be gone. Poof, gone. You have to protect your equity from this despicable crime right now with triple lock protection from my good friends at HomeTitleLock.com. The first step is to check on your home's title to see if it's still in your name. Sign up with your address at HomeTitleLock.com and be sure to use the promo code JUSTNEWS. They're going to send you a complete title scan of your home's title in your first 30 days of triple lock home title protection. That's legendary protection, by the way. It's free. HomeTitleLock.com. Use the promo code JUSTNEWS. One more time. Go to HomeTitleLock.com today and protect your most important asset, the equity in your home. Folks, everyone knows the next medical crisis is just around the corner. Whether it comes in the form of a pandemic or something much more mundane like a tick bite, you and your family need to be prepared. That's what we learned from this last pandemic, right? That's where the wellness company comes in. You know the wellness company. We have their great doctors like Dr. Peter McCullough on all the time on our shows. The wellness company and their doctors are medical professionals that you can trust. And the new medical emergency kits are the gold standard when it comes to keeping you safe and healthy, and most importantly, prepared. Be ready for anything. This medical emergency kit contains an assortment of life-saving medications, including ivermectin and z The medical emergency kit provides a guidebook to aid in the safe use of all of these life-saving medications. So you know what you're doing. From anthrax to tick bites to COVID and even the bioweapon like the plague, the wellness company's medical emergency kit is exactly what you need to have on hand to be prepared. Rest assured knowing that you have emergency antibiotics, antivirals, and antiparasitics on hand to keep you and your family safe 
from whatever the globalists throw your way. Go to www.twchealth/justnews today in order. That's twc.health/justnews and use the promo code justnews to save 10%. All right, folks, that wraps up another edition of John Solomon Reports. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Mo Brooks, the congressman from Alabama, the GOP Senate candidate running for that open Senate seat next year. Lots of important thoughts, lots of important ideas all on the front table. He's a man who doesn't mince words. He gets right to the point. You never doubt what his belief is, um, and uh, you can really tell that from the interview today. All right, we'll be back tomorrow with a new edition of John Solomon Reports. Until then, may God bless you and may God bless this amazing country, the United States, as he always has. That's why we're such an amazing country. We'll be back with you tomorrow with another edition of John Solomon Reports. And of course, in between shows, if you need that news fix, you know where to go, justthenews.com. We'll have you covered 24-7. All right, folks, have a good night. We'll be back tomorrow. Hey there, it's Amanda Head, and I am thrilled to introduce to you my new exciting podcast, Furthermore with Amanda Head, broadcasting weekly from sunny Los Angeles, California, and brought to you by the dynamic Just the News Podcast Network. On this fresh and engaging podcast, I delve into the latest news with a little bit of a twist, exploring the furthermore of every story. But this isn't your typical run-of-the-mill news commentary or politically charged program. I interview a diverse range of guests, including business leaders, entertainers, musicians, educators, expert politicians, and many influential figures from both the United States and around the world. So why not make your Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays a little more interesting? Tune in on your preferred podcast platform and discover furthermore with Amanda Head on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. And don't forget to hit that follow or subscribe button and be sure to download the latest episodes. I can't wait to have you join me on this exciting journey. At Just the News, we break the stories others in the media ignore or are too afraid to tell. We did it on Russia collusion, Hunter Biden, and the security and intelligence failures that preceded January 6th. Our stories have real impact and reach because we stick to the facts. I'm John Solomon. You can help me expand our honest, unvarnished, and unbiased reporting by becoming a premium member at Just the News. You'll get an ad-free experience and exclusive member-only access to events, and you'll be helping us dig up more truth. Join today at justthenews.com slash subscribe.